appendix introduction and part one of a contribution to the critique of political economy by karl marx translated by nahum isaac stone this librivox recording is in the public domain introduction to the critique of political economy footnote this introduction was first published in the new zeit see translator's preface page five of march seven fourteen and twenty one nineteen o three by karl kansky with the following explanation quotation this article has been found among the posthumous papers of karl marx it is a fragmentary sketch of a treatise that was to have served as an introduction to his main work which he had been writing for many years and whose outline was clearly formed in his mind the manuscript is dated august twenty three eighteen fifty seven as the idea is very often indicated only in fragmentary sentences i have taken the liberty of introducing here and there changes in style insertions of words etc a mere reprint of the original would have made it unintelligible not all the words in the manuscript are legible quotation wherever there could be no doubt as to the necessity of corrections i did so without indicating them in the text in other cases i put all insertions in brackets wherever i am not certain as to whether i have deciphered a word correctly i have put an interrogation point after it other changes are specially noted in all other respects this is an exact reprint of the original whose fragmentary and incomplete passages serve to remind us only too painfully of the many treasures of thought which went down to the grave with marx treasures which would have sufficed for generations if marx had not so anxiously avoided giving to the world any of his ideas until he had tested them repeatedly from every conceivable point of view and had given them a wording that would be incontrovertible in spite of its fragmentary character it opens before us a wealth of new points of view End of quotation. one production in general the subject of our discussion is first of all material production by individuals as determined by society naturally constitutes the starting point the individual and isolated hunter or fisher who forms the starting point with smith and ricardo belongs to the insipid illusions of the eighteenth century they are robinsonades which do not by any means represent as students of the history of civilization imagine a reaction against over-refinement and a return to a misunderstood natural life they are no more based on such a naturalism than is rousseau's contre-social in quotation marks which makes naturally independent individuals come in contact and have mutual intercourse by contract they are the fiction and only the aesthetic fiction of the small and great robinsonades they are moreover the anticipation of bourgeois society in quotation marks which have been in course of development since the sixteenth century and made gigantic strides towards maturity in the eighteenth 
in this society of free competition the individual appears free from the bonds of nature etc which in former epochs of history made him a part of a definite limited human conglomeration to the prophets of the eighteenth century on whose shoulders smith and ricardo are still standing this eighteenth century individual constituting the joint product of the dissolution of the feudal form of society and of the new forces of production which had developed since the sixteenth century appears as an ideal whose existence belongs to the past not as a result of history but as its starting point since that individual appeared to be in conformity with nature and corresponded in brackets to their conception of human nature he was regarded in brackets not as a product of history but of nature this illusion has been characteristic of every new epoch in the past stuart who as an aristocrat stood more firmly on historical ground contrary to the spirit of the eighteenth century escaped this simplicity of view the further back we go into history the more the individual and therefore the producing individual seems to depend on and constitute a part of a larger whole at first it is quite naturally the family and the clan which is but an enlarged family later on it is the community growing up in its different forms out of the clash and the amalgamation of clans it is but in the eighteenth century in bourgeois society in quotation marks that the different forms of social union confront the individual as a mere means to his private ends as an outward necessity but the period in which this view of the isolated individual becomes proletariat is the very one in which the interrelations of society general from this point of view have reached the highest state of development man is in the most literal sense of the word azuan politicon not only a social animal but an animal which can develop into an individual only in society production by isolated individuals outside of society something which might happen as an exception to a civilized man who by accident got into the wilderness and already dynamically possessed within himself the forces of society is as great an absurdity as the idea of the development of language without individuals living together and talking to one another we need not dwell on this any longer it would not be necessary to touch upon this point at all were not the vagary which had its justification and sense with the people of the eighteenth century transplanted in all earnest into the field of political economy by bastia carey proudhon and others proudhon and others naturally find it very pleasant when they do not know the historical origin of a certain economic phenomenon to give it a quasi-historico-philosophical explanation by going into mythology adam or prometheus sit upon the scheme cut and dried whereupon it was adopted etc nothing is more tediously dry than the dreaming locus communis whenever we speak therefore of production we always have in mind production at a certain stage of social development or production by social individuals hence it might seem that in order to speak of production at all we must either trace the historical process of development through its various phases or declare at the outset that we are dealing with a certain historical period as for example with modern capitalistic production which as a matter of fact constitutes the subject proper of this work but all stages of production have certain landmarks in common common purposes 
production in general is an abstraction but it is a rational abstraction in so far as it singles out and fixes the common features thereby saving us repetition yet these general or common features discovered by comparison constitute something very complex whose constituent elements have different destinations some of these elements belong to all epochs others are common to a few some of them are common to the most modern as well as to the most ancient epochs no production is conceivable without them but while even the most completely developed languages have laws and conditions in common with the least developed ones what is characteristic of their development are the points of departure from the general and common the conditions which generally govern production must be differentiated in order that the essential points of difference be not lost sight of in view of the general uniformity which is due to the fact that the subject mankind and the object nature remain the same the failure to remember this one fact is the source of all the wisdom of modern economists who are trying to prove the eternal nature and harmony of existing social conditions thus they say for example that no production is possible without some instrument of production let that instrument be only the hand that none is possible without past accumulated labour even if that labour consist of mere skill which has been accumulated and concentrated in the hand of the savage by repeated exercise capital is among other things also an instrument of production also past impersonal labour hence capital is a universal eternal natural phenomenon which is true if we disregard the specific properties which turn an instrument of production instrument of production in quotation marks stored up labour in quotation marks into capital the entire history of production appears to a man like carey for example as a malicious perversion of the part of governments if there is no production in general there is also no general production production is always some special branch of production or an aggregate as for example agriculture stock raising manufactures etc but political economy is not technology the connection between the general destinations of production at a given stage of social development and the particular forms of production is to be developed elsewhere later on finally production is not only of a special kind it is always a certain body politic or social personality that is engaged on a larger or smaller aggregate of branches of production the connection between the real process and its scientific presentation also falls outside of the scope of this treatise we must thus distinguish between in brackets production in general special branches of production and production as a whole it is the fashion with economists to open their works with a general introduction which is entitled production in quotation marks see for example john stuart mill and deals with the general requisites of production in quotation marks this general introductory part treats or is supposed to treat one of the conditions without which production is impossible that is of the most essential conditions of production as a matter of fact however it dwindles down as we shall see to a few very simple definitions which flatten out into shallow tautologies two of conditions which further production more or less as for example adam smith's discussion of brackets a progressive and stagnant state of society in order to give scientific value to what serves with him as a mere summary it would be necessary to study the degree of productivity by periods 
in the development of individual nations such a study falls outside of the scope of the present subject and in so far as it does belong here is to be brought out in connection with the discussion of competition accumulation etc the commonly accepted view of the matter gives a general answer to the effect that an industrial nation is at the height of its production at the moment when it reaches its historical climax in all respects or that certain races climates natural conditions such as distance from the sea fertility of the soil etc are more favourable to production than others that again comes down to the tautology that the facility of creating wealth depends on the extent to which its elements are present both subjectively and objectively as a matter of fact a nation is at its industrial height so long as its main object is not gain but the process of gaining in that respect the yankees stand above the english but all that is not what the economists are really after in the general introductory part their object is rather to represent production in contradistinction to distribution see mill for example as subject to eternal laws independent of history and then to substitute bourgeois relations in an underhand way as immutable natural laws of society in abstracto this is the more or less conscious aim of the entire proceeding on the contrary when it comes to distribution mankind is supposed to have indulged in all sorts of arbitrary action quite apart from the fact that they violently break the ties which bind production and distribution together so much must be clear from the outset that no matter how greatly the systems of distribution may vary at different stages of society it should be possible here as in the case of production to discover the common features and to confound and eliminate all historical differences in formulating general human laws for example the slave the serf the wage worker all receive a quantity of food which enables them to exist as slave serf and wage worker the conqueror the official the landlord the monk or the levite who respectively live on tribute taxes rent alms and the tithe all receive a part in brackets of the social product which is determined by laws different from those which determine the part received by the slave etc the two main points which all economists place under this head are first property second the protection of the latter by the administration of justice police etc the objections to these two points can be stated very briefly one all production is appropriation of nature by the individual within and through a definite form of society in that sense it is a tautology to say that property appropriation of is a condition of production but it becomes ridiculous when from that one jumps at once to a definite form of property for example private property which implies besides as a prerequisite the existence of an opposite form fees absence of property history points rather to common property for example among the hindus slavs ancient celts etc as the primitive form which still plays an important part at a much later period as communal property the question as to whether wealth grows more rapidly under this or that form of property is not even raised here as yet but that there can be no such a thing as production nor consequently society where property does not exist in any form is a tautology appropriation which does not appropriate is a contradictio in subjecto to protection of property etc reduced to their real meaning 
these commonplaces express more than what their preachers know namely that every form of production creates its own legal relations forms of government etc the crudity and the shortcomings of the conception lie in the tendency to see but an accidental reflective connection in what constitutes an organic union the bourgeois economists have a vague notion that it is better to carry on production under the modern police than it was for example under club law they forget that club law is also law and that the right of the stronger continues to exist in other forms even under their government of law in quotation marks when the social conditions corresponding to a certain stage of production are in a state of formation or disappearance disturbances of production naturally arise although differing in extent and effect to sum up all the stages of production have certain destinations in common which we generalize in thought but the so-called general conditions of all production are nothing but abstract conceptions which do not go to make up any real stage in the history of production end of appendix introduction and part one